This is East Carolina Offensive Coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick. We are talking one of my favorite things, hired football and the sports objective. Welcome in to the Sports Objective, a great show. If you like football, we're so close to college football. Man, oh man, I can't wait. Week zero this week, I'm so excited. Uh, Bubba Rosenbaum, appreciate him from China Grove. He'll be with us in just a little bit. Kyle from the Grange Barber, what's up, dude? What's going on, Dave? Yeah, like you said, week zero is upon us. Uh, got some games this Saturday. Notre Dame, Navy, uh, New Mexico State, UMass, Jacksonville State, UTEP, uh, Hawaii, Vanderbilt, a lot of. Not a lot of games, but uh, I'll be watching. And how about uh, Matt Semenza, of course, who played for the Pirates in the 90s. The linebackers, we'll be talking about that uh, during the show uh, with our great defense. Matt Semenza, what's up, dude? What's up, guys? I am so fired up for the start of college football. <laughs> Thank God, because there's just nothing really on TV these days cutting it for me. And right. uh, personally, like, what a what an opportunity – for the Pirates to have a you know a chance to go into the big house and play the Michigan Wolverines, number two team in the country. You know, if you're if you're a competitor, obviously the Pirates are a big underdog here, but if you're a competitor, you you have to love and embrace the opportunity. So just looking forward to it. Yeah, Matt, so right before we bring our guest on, I, you look like a guy that would like Real Housewives. I'm just saying, I think you would like that reality show. What do you think? Yeah, I can't help you with that, Dave, but uh can't help you with that. But, okay. uh, <laughs> and definitely, you, it's okay. That's, you can let everybody know that you love Lifetime too, right? <laughs> that's that's Bubba. You have me confused. Oh, okay. All right. Well, before I get any more trouble with the co-host here with me, my fellow co-host, let's bring in Michigan football beat writer and Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Uh, it's Aaron McMahon. How are you, Aaron? I'm good, guys. Good to, good to be with you this evening. Uh, very interesting game coming up uh, Labor Day weekend on September 2nd. And for those joining us uh, now, people may not know, this afternoon we learned that first we thought that there was going to be a four-game suspension, then it was no suspension for Coach Jim Harbaugh, and then we hear this afternoon on the drive time for us, there's going to be a three-game suspension. So we won't see Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines for our game when we're up in Ann Arbor. And uh, just want to get your comments before we start breaking down the game, your thoughts about that. Well, it, it's not a shocker. Like you said, originally Michigan had submitted and negotiated this negotiated resolution to the NCAA for a four-game suspension last month, and that was the assumption, right? And then it, the word came out a few weeks ago at the NCAA turned that down. So now Michigan has leveled a, its own sanction in a three-game suspension for Jim. So he, he will not be coaching on the sideline at this point. We don't know who the, the interim head coach is going to be because Michigan may be without its offensive coordinator uh, for that game as well. So t- TBD, stay tuned. Uh, we should have an answer probably within the uh, next week uh, or so. Offensive coordinator suspended also potentially? Yeah, two of Michigan's assistant coaches are facing a one-game suspension. Uh, it's offensive coordinator and it's tight ends coach. So we okay. just don't know when that's going to happen. But my assumption is they're going to try and get that out of the way as soon as possible. So it would not shock me if he's he's out for week one as well. Okay, now you and you, and you said that um, NCAA – did not uh, did not take Michigan's four game proposal 
So now they're doing their own three-game proposal. Uh, so what happens if the NCAA steps in and says we want an eight-game proposal? I know Harbaugh basically balked at him and said, screw you, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, that's like the assumption here in Ann Arbor that Jim has basically said he doesn't want anything. This is kind of Michigan acting in itself, trying to get this out of the way. Um, but you're right. They Originally, the, the original negotiation was four. NC said no. So the assumption is that number is going to go up, whether it's six or eight, we don't know. Um, as of right now, the assumption is Michigan's going to try and use this three games to try and get knock that off. And then if it is a six game, they'll try and use the, the other three games next year uh, during the non-conference schedule as well. Um, they're trying to limit the number of games that he misses this season, and, and rightfully so. I mean, this is Jim's loaded, most loaded team since he's been in Ann Arbor. They're picked to win the Big Ten again, and they got a real shot to win the national title. So they're trying to keep him in the fold as long as possible. Uh, how soon do, uh, do do you guys expect a rolling from the NCAA on this? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, when With the negotiated thing, it was expected to come within 30 days, and it came right within two weeks. Um, my, my assumption is this is going to go on for a while and then whatever the NCAA rules, I'm sure Michigan will appeal. So I'm, I'm not expecting a, a, a ruling probably before the end of the season, um, probably sometime maybe in the winter or next spring. Um, but honestly, we don't know what these things, as we all know, the NCAA takes forever. Sometimes. Yeah. And one more, one more question related to this, and then we'll move on and let Dave and Matt talk. Uh, and this is a broad spectrum question. How long is it before the Big Ten and the SEC tells the NCAA to go uh, kick rocks? Uh, it's a good question, right? I, I, I think as these leagues add more teams and gain more power in terms of market share and market revenue and TV ad dollars and everything else, I got to think at some point, at some point it's coming, right? Because I, I think at the end of the day, whether it's four or five years from now, a decade from now, I think you're going to, you know, two major conferences standing, the Big Ten, the SEC, and then there's going to be everyone else. So, I think the split is coming eventually. I don't know how quickly, but one day I think it's going to happen. I, I I warn I warn you guys, it's a huge mistake. I, I know I know it's happening, but I think I think uh, I'm just going to tell you now, as somebody from the outside looking in over over at the Michigans and the Alabamas of the world, uh, when you you know when when you alienate three quarters of of, of a fan base, um, people people want to watch the NFL, they'll watch the NFL. Uh, so I, 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 I warred against it, but I think it's going to happen. Um, I think uh, I think we could very much end up like NASCAR. And uh, you, might, you might not know what that means, but us boys mm-hmm. from the South do. I, I, I will say this. Your your opinion is shared by many here in Ann Arbor and Michigan in general. I, I think there's a lot of folks upset and, and frustrated with the way things are going, especially the Big Ten. Now it's kind of gone at college football in general, going away from a re- its regional yep. roots and everything else. So I will say it's it's, it's a popular opinion here, too. If you want to put your questions or comments here, uh, happy birthday early to Brandon Forbush, who is going to be, his birthday is on Wednesday, so we'll give him a happy birthday shout out to Brandon. And how about this, Robert, uh, I think Aaron already addressed this, but uh, was Harbaugh asked or told to take three, maybe push him closer to the NFL? And the last couple of years, he's been even calling NFL owners to sell himself about taking jobs. so Yeah, but he's on the upswing now at Michigan. That's when things weren't looking as good. Now everybody loves him. Yeah, yeah. My, my assumption is he was told this is going to be a three. This is Michigan's doing. They're, they're ruling. Um, I, I think if you're asked Jim Harbaugh privately, he doesn't want to take any games. I, I think he believes he was in the right. Because remember, the, the whole suspension of him comes from a level one violation against him directly. The NCAA is investigating Michigan's program as a whole. For level two violations, they're not the most serious, not the, not the, you know, not the, just kind of basic recruiting stuff. But where Jim got in trouble was allegedly lying to the NCAA, and that's where the level ones came in. Jim claim, Jim behind the scenes has claimed that he didn't do anything wrong. He believes he didn't lie. 
Uh, so as of right now, he's kind of gone out. Um, you know, he, he thinks he's doing anything wrong. It is up to him. He wouldn't be facing anything right well, now. Well, I'm saying we keep talking about this. What exactly did he lie or not lie about? That, that's the question, Speaking. right? We haven't seen the documents up close. We don't know the, de- the exact details of this. I will say the level two violations against Michigan itself or several other recruiting issues um, uh, during the COVID season when there was limitations on things. Right, they had, right. I think they had recruits on campus and two in the facilities, and I think they took them out to, to eat. I, I know there's this cheeseburger line that's come out. Right. Um, and, and there was other things, too. They, they allegedly watched workouts on Zoom. Um, they used a analyst as an on-field coach, relatively minor things. It wasn't anything major, but where Jim and, and Michigan really got in trouble was when they uh, misled or, or lied to investigators. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing is, uh, you know, you always hear that about politics. It's not the actual crime, it's the yeah. cover-up. And exactly. so the cover-up is what uh, you're alluding to. The cover-up is what's worse than the crime. In this particular case, I don't have any issues with him feeding hamburgers to recruits i don't think that's anything wrong i mean if you think about it you want hospitality that's the business i'm in so yep you have a coach who gives these players hamburgers cheeseburgers whatever i don't i don't have a. I don't know why that to me i'm not a michigan fan obviously but i don't see how that's a big deal but i think you're right i think uh that all you have to do is say yeah i fed the hamburgers to everybody or whatever it is that they want to know just tell them whatever you want to know and like we've been talking about, the NCAA is so weak now that it really doesn't matter. I mean, just tell them whatever you want to tell them, like the truth, and then get get it past you. Because now what's it seemed like the story is from what, two or three years ago, and it keeps lingering on, um, especially when you guys have a chance, to, Michigan does, to win the national championship. That's exactly right, right? Don't make a, a, a one-day story a two-day story. And that's what Jim did right. by, you know, not admitting you did, you did something wrong. It's it's exaggerated, this thing. You're right. If he would just come, came clean from the get-go and probably admitted most of this stuff, probably wouldn't have a slap on the wrist, maybe a scholarship reduction and everything else. But they certainly would be, wouldn't be facing all these uh, all these suspensions and, and everything else. What is the worst-case scenario for Aaron? I haven't heard that part. Uh, do you know what's the worst-case scenario for uh, Harbaugh, and Michigan, the football program as a whole. Yeah, it's tough to say because these are obviously every every NCAA case is different. I, I think the, yeah. the, the assumption right now is he's probably facing a maximum of a six game penalty, a six game suspension. Um, that's I think part of why they they submitted that negotiated resolution to try and get down to four. But as of right now, I think it's six. Uh, my understanding is Michigan has has made some. Uh, they've sanctioned themselves in the recruiting area too, so they probably docked themselves some scholarships. But beyond that, I don't see I don't see much else go, uh, happening. Unless, you know, Jim decides to go out, you know, guns a-blazing and blasting the NCAA and everything else. But to his credit right now, he hasn't said much. He's been pretty tight-lipped about everything uh, to his attorney's, uh, you know, requirement. What if he proposes this deal? One game suspension, but it's Ohio State. That's a good question, right? Would the NCAA go for it? I I don't think they'd bend to something like that. I think they're going to stick to their hard and fast rules, especially given how this – this thing has played out and everything else. Um, as I said, I don't see them. That doing would be anything. worse. I mean, good God. You, yeah. You, be, yeah. The fan base would freak out. I would think. Yeah. Now the, the one thing about this entire thing, and, and maybe folks, if you don't follow the program, they may not know very well, but Jim doesn't call the plays anymore. So he, right. his hand isn't necessarily in the cookie jar as like it used to be. I can remember his first, you know, his early, you know, up until really two years ago, he was calling the plays and, and kind of, running the offense and everything else. It was really his show. He's kind of handed those off the last couple of years and he's been real hands off with stuff. So I don't think his, his, you know, him not being there is going to be a big deal. In fact, I, 
you know, we were in Indianapolis a few weeks ago for Big Ten Media Days, and I asked Greg Schiano the same thing, the head coach at Rutgers. He was in a similar situation when he was at Ohio State when Urban Meyer got suspended back in 18, and you know, they kind of had to rally around Ryan Day and everything else. And, you know, he said it. He's like, as long as Jim is able to be there for practice and help the game plan, yeah. and he will be, it's not going to matter much on Saturdays. It's still going to be a Jim Harbaugh kind of team. No, who's going to be calling plays if your OC is also suspended? That's a good question, right? Because their their new coordinator this year, Sharon Moore, who's who's facing a one game suspension, he's never called plays before, so this is going to be his first rodeo. If he's not there to do it, I, my guess is it's probably going to be the running backs coach, Mike Hart, uh, former he's a former star at Michigan uh, back in the late two thousands. He's in fact he's a program's all time leading rusher, former associate head coach, Indiana. Um, he's an assistant in the MAC, Eastern Michigan, Toledo, elsewhere in the past. So he's got a lot of college football experience. Um, I don't think he's ever called plays before, though, but I can't think of anyone else that would probably do it. So my, my guess, it would probably be uh, Mike Hart. You guys don't have anybody on staff with offensive play calling experience? Yeah, so they, they just promoted an analyst to quarterbacks coach, uh, Kurt Campbell. He's, he's, so he's, the, he's, the, he's basically just, you know, coaches the quarterbacks. He's got play calling experience, but it was at Old Dominion, the FCS level. So he does, but not not at this, this stage of things. And Old Dominion, by the way, has moved up to FBS. They're in uh, Conference USA. Yeah, was, Sun Niner, that's right. Yeah. And the Sun Belt. Sunbelt, that's right. I beg your pardon. They have they were there. Uh, I I wanted to say I have been to Michigan, and I remembered off the top of my head is Saginaw, Michigan. I was there in 2010. Uh, great state. I love it. Looking forward to. I wish Kyle would go with me to the ball game. I've got an extra ticket, Kyle. I bought it today. If you want it, um, you can well, you can go well, with us. Curious of why you bought an extra ticket if you didn't have anybody. I don't give it. Well, my mom may my mom may go. She's undecided. So. It's not nah, that I just picked I, I extra ticket. I'll, uh, I'll be I'll be here at the house uh, watching it on uh, Peacock. Peacock. Uh, what what are the thoughts on that, Aaron? Uh, the the uh, I, I was a bit surprised um, when the game got announced. Peacock, though, it makes perfect sense. Michigan got one of the largest fan bases, certainly in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. if not the whole country. Um, East Carolina has a large fan base for a so-called Group of Five. Um, so it's a, in terms of getting new subscribers to Peacock, it's, it's a smart move on their part. Yeah, that's just it, right? The, the Big Ten just started this, this seven year, seven billion dollar multimedia rights deal. They brought in NBC yep. and CBS and everything else. So they're trying to get subscribers for Peacock. I mean, that's basically what it comes, comes down to. And it's not the only marquee or even marquee Big Ten, you know, school to appear. They got Michigan State playing Washington in a few weeks on there as well. Uh, so they're going to try and drive up subscribers. That's basically what it's all about. Uh, Michigan is by far the most watched college football team in this in the region. Um, in fact, there are some weeks where more folks in Ohio are watching Michigan than Ohio State. So that just goes to show how, how far reaching the Michigan brand is. They're just trying to drive subscribers. Um, the reaction here in Ann Arbor has probably been mixed, as you can probably expect. The older folks are probably upset and they don't know <laughs> how to do it and everything else. Right. Uh, so it's going to take some time, some adjustment. But, you know, it, it's funny because it, the Big Ten launched the Big Ten Network in 2007. That's when it began, you know, those those conference-driven TV networks became such a big deal. Appalachian. I was going to say, do you guys remember the first bit? Yeah, the yeah. first game on the Big Ten Network was Michigan-Appalachian State. And I remember I was a kid then. I was, I think, uh, just almost graduating high school. And no one got it unless you had direct TV or, like, Dish. And that was it. If you had cable, you couldn't watch the network because it wasn't available. So folks had to either tune in the radio or watch whatever else. or It, it was weird. So it – it's going to take some adjusting. I think some folks are going to be upset, frustrated at the time, but you know, at the same time, you, know, you got to you know learn to deal with it in this TV climate. 
Hey, and hats off to you, Aaron, for getting that correct, Appalachian State, because, you know, Kirk oh Herbstreit and so many. I understand that the most people pronounce the mountain range, uh, you know, at least outside of this region, uh, you know, Appalachians. But hear, hearing people that follow college football or, or at least supposed to follow college football uh, for a living like Kirk Herbstreit, and especially after App State won that game, to hear him still refer to, to them as Appalachian State 15 plus years later is pretty mind boggling. Yeah, I used to, I used to be that way when I was younger. I used to pronounce it that, but then I find, I think someone in the know told me, like, no, it's Appalachian. So I, I've said that for a long time now, and I'm, I'm glad I got it right. Yeah, and you just as a matter of fact, fact, you just go with App State, you can't get it wrong. So that's uh, right. Well, it's it's kind of just got to think well, about the, the area of the country it is. How, how would they probably say it? Well, that's like Des Moines, uh, Illinois. You know, no. there's certain there's certain ways that you look no. at a you know something. Or my favorite town in Virginia is Norfolk, Virginia. How but about Manassas? Hey, there you go. <laughs> Get old Manassas, Virginia. But everybody pronounces it. They don't live there. Norfolk, Virginia, and I was like, that's not the way you pronounce it. That's yeah, not that's, the way you pronounce it. That's Norfolk. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, uh, enough of the geography. As far as uh, you were talking about, this is great, guys, in the green room uh, before you guys joined us. Aaron, tell everybody how many season tickets have been sold this year for Michigan. Yeah, as of a couple of weeks ago, I was told they were at like 75,000, um, which may seem like a big number, and it is to a lot of schools and a lot of folks. But, I mean, there have been years in the past where they, they pushed 90. So, it, this is down. I think that's probably a reflection of, College football as a whole, I think just fewer people are going to games now. That's you can sit at home and watching the big screen and everything else. But as of a few weeks ago, they were pushing 75,000. I wouldn't be surprised by the time things kick off in a couple of weeks. They're at probably closer to 80. Yeah, nice to to drop 15,000 season ticket holders and still be at 75,000. I know. <laughs> yeah. right? And they'll yeah, still we're... pack the house. It's It's wild. Well, it just goes to show you whenever you have a bad coaching hire and then you have to fire the person – uh, and pretty much push out the AD like we did, um, that it is still the fan base is still lingering from that. You know, 14-7 is what we are at today. Uh, we had a football luncheon, the kickoff luncheon, Kyle, as we were telling Aaron before the show. Uh -huh. uh, I was there. They announced 14-7. So we're trying to get to 15, and our goal in this podcast is 18. Um, so Peanuts. Will... Peanuts to Aaron. Yeah, he doesn't care. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to point that out. 90,000 season tickets, and we're, we're trying to get to uh, – they're down to 75,000, and we're, 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 we're down, so, and we're at 14.7, trying to get to 15. Um, you know, it, it's, it's – you, but you know what? I, we're, we're most people to, would tell in, in comparison to Michigan. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. We're, we're, we're more the norm. Michigan uh, – mm -hmm. well, you got Michigan, Tennessee. That's about it. <laughs> so about Penn State. Tickets. Penn State uh, has a lot of season ticket holders. Yeah, yeah, but not as the, the Michigan and Tennessee have the two biggest stadiums. So, yeah. Point being that all three of those have stadiums in excess of a hundred thousand. Exactly yeah. correct. And that, that's why when you're saying seventy-five thousand is not a lot compared to what they normally have, then seventy we're, we only have fifty-one thousand for our whole stadium. Um, but it beats uh, Matt's fate. By the way, Aaron, if you did not know, Matt is a big Charlotte 49er fan, and they have like 15,000-seat stadiums. So 
I say that sarcastically. He doesn't matter. Get he's getting ready to throw something. We can, we They've can also got Charlotte. like fifteen thousand Michigan players on that team now, don't they? Let's talk about that. Yeah. that. Let, let Matt, Matt, I know Matt's dying to say something, but being 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 Dave brought it up. Uh, Aaron, what what are your thoughts on uh, on on Coach uh, on Coach uh, Biff Biff, Biff Posey? Biff Posey, thank you. Yeah, so. I never had interactions while he was at Michigan. I will say he was he he was here a long time. He when Jim yeah. first got here to Michigan, he brought Biff along. Biff then left and then came back. I think he went to the NFL with his brother in San Francisco or Baltimore and then came back. Um, he was essentially Jim's right hand man, from what I was told. Now he wasn't like an official coach, like he was like a analyst. I think they categorized him as. But like he was one of the few people to tell that who wasn't afraid to tell Jim off. Like if Jim had did something wrong, Biff had no problem telling him. Anybody off? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he really leaned on Biff a lot. I I think um, you know he helped. You know Biff helped recruit. I mean he was a former coach in in uh, in Baltimore at at St. Francis Academy. So he was able to get you know bring some of those kids to Michigan, and I think I think it helps from a recruiting standpoint, but also from a cultural standpoint. I, I think he was able to keep things together. Um, I think he told Jim when when things got wrong, when, what he needed to do, and, and to Jim's credit, he listened. So he was a he was a real important, I think, turnaround uh, piece for for the Michigan the last couple of years. Uh, Jim credited him a couple times at press conferences, so he was certainly a, a big integral part. Of that. He's he's a very interesting character to me. He seems like a complete lunatic. I, I don't think there's going to be. <laughs> I, I, I I've told a lot of people this. He he is either he is either wicked smart like a fox or he's a lunatic. I think he's either going to be immediately successful or he'll be fired in two years. And I don't think there'll be any in between. A lot of burn. Yeah. Like, like just kind of like Jim, you know, like the, maybe they don't have the same personality, but you we're talking about the AD and he, he not getting along. That being Jim Harbaugh. Um, I think Biff uh, the same way, you know, my way, the highway, you know, at the American uh, Media Day conference down in Dallas, I saw that he said yeah. three questions, only three questions. You know, and, so, yeah, and then the best part was Tulane, who was picked to win the league. They, their their head coach was asked one question, so yeah. I'm not sure why Biff was so offended. I saw one of those streaming services too, or I guess following around, following the Charlotte football program around for some reality documentary show that's supposed to air soon. I don't know if it's Amazon or Peacock or one of them. I was not aware of that, but that, well, I mean, hey, <clears throat> smart, I mean, and get, do whatever you can to get your name out there. And he had also had some exchanges on social media, formerly Twitter, uh, now X. Absolutely. So he, he had an exchange with, you know, you had legendary App State head coach Jerry Moore, um, Jerry Moore's grandson, Trey Cavanaugh, is an offensive you know, analyst or quality control position there at App State now. And he had formerly been a, high school coach in the greater Charlotte area. And he had an exchange with coach Poji uh, there at, uh, you know, he, back in the summer. Making yeah, enemies a, he, everywhere. He, what, what he's, what he's <laughs> doing, what, what he's doing really. Charlotte has no, they, they don't have a fan base and they really have no presence in North Carolina. You got the ACC schools, East Carolina and App State. In East Carolina and App State, unlike a lot of the Mac schools that you're familiar with in that region, we have fan bases. So Charlotte's not only trying to cut in on the fan basis of the ACC, they also have to deal with Clemson, South Carolina, because they're right in Charlotte, border right. South Carolina, plus South East Carolina. Carolina and App State. So Biff is really just, I think, I'm really worried that he's actually wicked smart like a fox, and he's actually doing all this stuff to get attention on the program, so people are talking about him. Um, that's my fear. Uh, my first impression is this guy's a lunatic, and then I – 
then I, then I start to have second thoughts. Is he really a lunatic? The, the more you explain him, the more it sounds like Jim Harbaugh. Because when he first got to Michigan, they were kind of on a downslope. He was doing everything he could to get attention. I mean, he was like sleeping in recruits. Uh, I remember, I remember going down try, to Florida. Yeah, I remember all yeah, that. Tr- yeah. He was doing the the uh, satellite camps, running all over the country. They, yep. they did the Amazon documentary uh, series, and I think in, in in eighteen. So very similar situation. So I think Bim, Biff learned uh, quite a bit from Jim. No question. And uh, we had, we do have a question. Let's see. That, what I are your Matt thoughts? had something earlier and, and I stepped on it. Matt, did you, did you have something? Well, Brandon says, what are your thoughts on the East Carolina team? So well, I, we were going to get to that, Brandon. Okay. I was just saying, I didn't pay much attention, question. but we'll get into it. Aaron, what are your thoughts on the East Carolina team? <laughs> so well, and, and, more, and more specifically, like you were telling us off the air, Aaron, as far as the East Carolina program as a whole, not specifically this team, but uh, as you were telling us off the air, you know, you, you are very familiar with East Carolina and some of the big wins we've had down through the years. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've paid attention. It, it, it almost seems like every few years they have they have a good team. You know, they're able to move the football and score a lot of points. And there have been years where they've been really fun to watch. I, I, I can remember, you know, distinctly watching them and they're putting up 40, 50 points a game. So uh, I, I don't think outside of, you know, Ann Arbor, I don't think many folks out here pay much attention to them. Um, but I, you got to remember, too, Michigan's a program that has a, had a lot of success in years past. But they've also been dethroned by smaller teams like an App State. They lost to Toledo a few years after App State. So I don't think the Michigan fans are going to take you guys lightly. I think they realize, you know, given everything that's going on, not, yes, Michigan's picked up in the Big Ten, but um, I, I think they're curious about some some respects of, of this Michigan team. So I I, I, I don't know. They're not going to roll over. I, I think the fans are, are, are going to take you guys lightly, and I think there's, there's mutual respect for sure. One thing that uh, concerns me is the line – of 36 and a half and i know that matt said it's because of the previous uh opponents that it's around that and i'm not knocking michigan in any way i think michigan wins the game but i've said this many times i think it's more if if i the line came out at 27 or 28 somewhere in that ballpark then i would say okay that's spot on but 36 and a half i felt like is disrespectful to the to the um, east carolina football team and I think it's gone up because I can I remember when it came out, it was something like 33. So I think it's gone up a few points, which is makes he got sense. Up. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, go ahead. <laughs> no, I would say there's probably a lot of money coming out of Michigan. And when you, and when I see a line that big, I tend to think like a bookmaker. And, I, my, my, and I, without looking at the numbers, my guess is there's a lot of money pouring into Michigan just based off the hype and everything else. So if you are betting that game, you know, my natural, you know, with inclination would be to probably take the points i mean that's a lot um jim harbaugh and, and the michigan coaching staff, well, jim won't be there on the sideline but the michigan coaching staff is known to kind of take their foot off the gas in the second half if there's a big lead They're, they have no problem inserting the backups and, and everything else in there so it wouldn't be surprised if they kind of you know they slow down in the second half yeah it got up to at least 36 and a half maybe 37 or something and and then when it looked like harbaugh was going to have the four game suspension before the appeal happened and then Today's news, I guess it was, um, it got down to I think thirty three and a half or thirty four pretty quickly. Um, and that, and that still that sounds crazy. It got down to thirty three and a half or thirty four, but it it fell two and a half or three points in a matter of a day or two. Yeah, that's wild. I, I don't think Jim Harbaugh. No offense to Jim Harbaugh, but I don't think he's worth three points to a spread, and especially in a situation like this. So, uh, if it's gone down to there, I'd probably consider taking Michigan. I could see it being around 35, 34, 35 points. That would be my guess. I, and I haven't made my predictions yet, but you know, it, it's all going to come down to whether how, how many points East Carolina can get on the board, right? If they can get more than a field goal or, or a touchdown, because 
I'd be surprised if Michigan put up more than like 38 points just based on how they their style of play, right? Like they like to run the football. They like to take time off the clock. Um, and they, so they like to slow things down. So my inclination is, you know, if it's 35, I'd take East Carolina. If it's under 34, maybe consider Michigan. Yeah, no, Michigan's a national championship contender for a reason. We're breaking in a lot of new pieces, brand new quarterback, lost our best receivers. So, uh, you know, we, we got a lot of unproven point parts. I, the line has bothered some people. It hasn't bothered me. Um, I'm, my goal for this game, I, I'm very real. If we go in there and, uh, and keep this game within three touchdowns, I feel like we have a great football team because there's a whole lot of football teams in the Big Ten that won't do that with Michigan. Yeah, it's yeah. not a matter of the expectation, I think, of uh, we were talking about that 2017 Appalachian State going up there. It's not the same team. Uh, it's not the same even Appalachian State team uh, as they were FCS at the time. Now they're FBS. And that, that was an Appalachian State team who had won the national championship. Correct. And um, But I will say this uh, for East Carolina. There is a lot of talent on the team. Um, I wouldn't say it's a Michigan caliber team, but there's more as far as Are one you sure? thing. Yes, I am sure. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Sarcastic. But what I'm trying to say is the point I'm making is that I hope this fan base, our fan base, won't say that we have a terrible team if we get blown. If if it's a, <laughs> as the bookies are saying, because. Okay, I'll let you do the whole show. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Just no, laugh at me the whole time. You can go I'm ahead. Not, I'm not. Okay, asshole. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the fact that some of our fan base is definitely going to say that. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I thought you were laughing at me, but um, the the fact of the matter is uh, we have 11 other football games, and the reality is, Aaron, 11 out of the 12 games, we can win every one of those games. We have a chance to win every game. Um, so when you look at it, the one concern I have, and I've told everybody on record many times, is injuries is what I'm worried about with the game. How does East Carolina fare as far as getting, you know, uh, if there's a lot of injuries, that hurts us the rest of the year? Yeah, it's, it's, I'm glad you bring that up because I'm, I'm a Central Michigan grad myself. So I went to a Mid American Conference school and I can remember when CMU went to play Michigan. I think it was 2011. And they were picked to big, do big things in the MAC. They had a, a returning quarterback and, a, and an all conference running back. And they lost both of them to two season-ending injuries in the first game against Michigan, the big house. So you got to guard against that type of stuff. You know, if, if you get a big, if you if you're down big early, probably pull them out or don't do anything crazy. Because yes, Michigan from a size perspective is 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 a big team. Um, they've really put on weight. They put on pounds the last really the last three or four years. They've really emphasized beefing up on on both sides of the ball. Um, you're not you're probably not going to play a bigger offensive line than than, you, than Michigan has. Um, they've got some big boys in the middle on defense. Uh, this Michigan team is, I mean, they're, they're loaded. I mean, th- their strength staff has done a very good job since Jim, Jim Harbaugh brought the, the new staff in back in 18. Um, they've really kind of like changed things uh, to the point where Jim is paying his strength coach over a million dollars a year now. I think he's one of two strength coaches in college football making a million. So uh, they're really happy with what they got. Michigan's a big, bulky team. They're going to they're gonna fly around. They're going to hit you hard. And, yeah, injuries are, if I were you guys, that would be the, the biggest thing I'd be concerned about. Uh, how are they with speed? You mentioned their size. Uh, happy with the strength and conditioning coach, um, but you know, I, it's, it's apples to oranges. That Michigan team versus this Michigan team, East Carolina versus App State. We're more talented than that App State team was. That App State team was just used to winning a lot of games. Had experienced quarterback. But the point of what I'm saying is, 
Michigan had trouble with Appalachian State speed. Um, I, you know, with, without looking at you guys' schedule the last several years, have you guys played many Southern schools recently? No. In fact, that's kind of been a knock, right? Michigan hasn't played an – I'm trying to remember the last time they played an SEC school. I think it was 19 in the bowl game against Alabama. So that was probably the last time they – or 20. That was after the 19th season in early 2020. So they, they haven't played an SEC school in a while. Um, it's obviously outside the, the playoff against Georgia. But they haven't they, – so they're not real experienced with with the SEC – you know, the Southern speed. Uh, I will say this. They, they're, they're fast on both sides of the ball. Um, there are question marks at, at receiver. I, I think that's the one – offensively. That's the one thing where you might, if you can slow Michigan's run game down, uh, they're gonna they might have trouble uh, throwing the football. So that would be one avenue defensively to stop them. And then um, defensively, they've really added speed. They've got a really good cornerback in Will Johnson. He's only a sophomore, but he could be an All American by the time the season's over. He was, I think, he was a preseason All American second team from the AP today. So um, they've got some speed. They've got some playmakers, especially in the secondary. Um, you know, they're not the fastest team in the world, but. They they got enough speed and power to, to make do. How's Michigan special teams looking? Everybody knows about their offensive defense. Uh, what do they have back in the in the kicking game? Yeah, they're gonna have. There's gonna be a drop off. Uh, last year they had probably one of the best kickers in the country, and Jake Moody uh, ended up getting drafted by the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I think it was a fourth round, which was incredible when you think about it. Um, so they got to replace punter and kicker. Uh, they've got a uh, kicker coming in from Louisville, transfer from, uh, from in fact, an Ann Arbor area kid, uh, James Turner. Um, pretty reliable last year. I think he was something like 20 of 22 or something. Um, pretty good inside 40. Uh, questionable outside of 40. Uh, and then a, new, a brand new punter. So they're they're going to take a step down on special teams. Uh, that would be an area of, where, you know, if, if you're going to exploit them, that probably would be one if you can get, you know, a turnover or something there. Um, so they got some question marks there, but I will say this, the last few years, Michigan's had one of the best special teams units in the country, top to bottom, not just kicking, but like, you know, kickoff return, punt return, uh, you know, and everything else. So, um, Jay Harbaugh, Jim's son kind of heads the special teams. He's something he's been doing several years now. Michigan really emphasizes special teams because they believe that's where they can kind of help flip games. I'm curious to see what happens. Cause as I said, they're replacing both, uh, both kickers. Dave, you're on mute. Um, but Aaron, I was going to chime in uh, with something. I was wanting to talk a little bit more about that Michigan defense. Uh, Robert Dedrick chimes in on YouTube saying, if Michigan has a weakness on the defensive side of the ball, where would it be? Would it be at corner? He said he saw that the number one corner was out for a few games with an injury. Yeah, so the number one corner that Will Johnson I just mentioned, he's coming off a uh, – he, he did have an ankle injury late last year. He had off-season surgery. We don't know his status for the first few games. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they held him out just for a precautionary situation, but last time I checked, he was practicing. So it, it would not surprise me if he plays. Now the question mark is with the second quarterback. They don't know who's going to play there. In fact, they had to bring in a transfer from UMass and Josh Wallace out of the portal because they have no one to play there. Wow. Um, so they're really, yeah, they're real shallow there. That would be a, a, that would be the biggest question mark. If there's a question mark in this defense, it's that second corner spot. Um, my presumption is that Will Johnson is going to play just so they have someone at corner. Um, but how they fill the other spots is going to be interesting. I, I think that would be an area of attack if you're going to attack this Michigan defense. Um, they, they've got, you know, they, they like to play with a five man uh, backfield. Uh, they'll use a nickel quite a bit, um, but they haven't figured out that second corner spot. So uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. What about on the offensive side of the ball? That's pretty solid, I would think. Uh, any weaknesses there at all? Yeah, receiver. 
uh, similar situation. They've got uh, a couple of guys back. Cornelius Johnson, he had a big game against Ohio State last year, but he was real inconsistent. He would perform one week and, and not show up the next. Uh, and then another receiver they got back, Roman Wilson, similar situation. Uh, he'd, ha- he'd have a couple big games. He's a slot receiver. Uh, he- he'll get big plays. He'll, you know, he had a good game against, um, you know, in-, in the bowl game against TCU. But similar situation, injured. He was injured, uh, Ill- illness. I think he had COVID one week. Uh, so he was kind of in and out of the lineup. Beyond those two, you got a whole lot of we don't know, a lot of, uh, you know, inexperienced uh, younger guys. Uh, so the the passing game is going to be a question mark. Michigan said they're going to try and throw the ball more this year. Last year, they had one of the biggest run pass splits in the country. They're running the football like 61% of the time. Uh, that's how they leaned on their offense. And I suspect it's going to be, you know, it'll be a lot of run this year too. But Jim Harbaugh said they want to be more balanced. Um, I just don't know where they're going to where they're going to get it from because they got those two guys back I mentioned. But beyond that, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of guys. They're, they're talking about playing two freshmen, three true freshmen in the first oh. couple of games. So we'll see what comes out of, of the receiver group. Aaron, as far as uh, off the field, game day, are there do's and don'ts, uh, things that maybe we we don't know about that those Pirate fans, Pirate Nation coming to Ann Arbor? Yeah, I, I'd get there early. Um, Ann Arbor is a, a big little town, if that makes sense. So, like, there's places to park, but you got to get in early enough, uh, find a spot, and you probably have to walk a little bit. Everything's kind of concentrated. There are certain areas where you can tailgate, certain areas you can't. You get make make sure you're uh, knowledgeable on that. If you can park on the golf course, I highly recommend it. It's right across the street from the, the stadium. You can tailgate in there and everything else. I think you might need a pass. So it might be difficult to get in there, but just make sure you get to Ann Arbor in enough time. Uh, the highways are all around there, but it, it, it can take some time to get in there, especially uh, you know first week of the regular season. What, what so are, what seven or eight o'clock in the morning? Yeah, definitely. I think the the golf course opens at like six. So yeah, folks, by eight or nine o'clock, it's it's difficult to get into town. What are your uh, what, what are your go to? Uh, if you get in there on a Friday night or after the game, what what do you give, give me two uh, go to restaurants and give me a, and give me a bar? Yeah, so there for those of you who've never been in there, but there's really two distinct areas. There's the downtown area off of Main Street. Main Street kind of cuts down by the stadium and West Stadium Boulevard. That's kind of where the high-end high end restaurants are and bars, where kind of the locals go. Um, the Chop House is really good for steak. Um, there's the Pretzel Bell. It's a real popular place. It's kind of like bar food, but it's 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 an upscale kind of bar scene. Um, there's some breweries around town as well, right right down there. Um, beer, a couple of beer garden areas, highly recommend. And then there's a second area where kind of the, the younger crowd, the students hang out. Uh, it's on South University Avenue. Um, highly recommend, uh, you know, Pizza House, probably some of the best pizza in Ann Arbor. Garage bar. It's kind of an open air bar. You can hang out and walk around. Um, so those are probably my go tos in, in Ann Arbor. When you, when, you, when you think of North Carolina, if you know anything about the state, we're known for our barbecue. Um, what is Michigan known for food wise? I don't. I, nothing jumps out at me. Yeah, nothing really. I mean, we're a big uh, beer state. Uh, Grand Rapids on the west side sure. of the state is kind of known as Beer City, USA. So we're, we got a lot of breweries. Um, there's a couple in Ann Arbor. Um, None of them are really downtown, but they're in the, within city limits. Like the Wolverine Brewery is pretty good. Um, there's there's a couple others too. But yeah, food wise, they're not really known for a ton. There's a decent barbecue place in Ann Arbor I like. It's called Blue Tractor. Probably doesn't touch anything you guys like or know or you know or are familiar with. Um, is it Memphis style, Texas style, St. Louis style? What is it? Yeah, Memphis style. Yeah, okay. Memphis style. You got it. We got to find a way to send you some barbecue up there if you want and. Uh, Maybe we can convert you to Eastern North Carolina barbecue because uh, 
that was what was served again today. <laughs> Surprising at the uh, football luncheon uh, kickoff. If you don't like barbecue, then uh, you probably shouldn't come to Eastern North Carolina, right, Kyle? Yeah, well, particularly if you don't like chopped pork barbecue or pulled pork barbecue with a lot of vinegar and pepper. Vinegar. I don't know if you have. You've, <laughs> Eastern North Carolina barbecue is unique. If you've never had it, it will shock you what it is. Oh, yeah. So. I, I'm a big fan. I love barbecue. Like, uh, you know, going to Kansas City, I've been there a couple times in Texas okay. and everything else. I always make it a point to get barbecue. Have you have you had le- legitimate Eastern North Carolina barbecue in Eastern North Carolina? Yeah, I don't think. I've been to Charlotte a couple times. Oh, that's not, no, I'm no, trying no, to remember. No, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to remember if I even got barbecue there. But no, no Charlotte. Charlotte's not really North Carolina. No. Um, <laughs> As Charlotte's its own thing. Um, I, it's nah, like you it's gotta, own island. You got to come. You got to come down east. Um, you got to come down east and, and get uh, Bees Barbecue in Greenville, uh, Wilbur's in Goldsboro, North Carolina, Parker's in Wilson, North Carolina. There's a park Greenville. in Greenville. Um, uh, Sam Jones. Sam there's Jones, a Winterville, Skylight Inn, and Aiden. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of great uh, Eastern North Carolina barbecue joints, and uh, maybe Bubba could probably turn you on to some Lexington style. Which is a secondary North Carolina style barbecue. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan, but sorry, right. I'll, I'll eat it. But it's okay. But Eastern North Carolina is where it's at, and I know that we're not having a home and home with Michigan. Um, but definitely, like I was saying, you've got to come down, and yeah. uh, we'll take we'll take really good care of you. And who knows, you might be an East Carolina beat writer after we're done, yeah. <laughs> so you can have the barbecue, right, Bubba? Yeah, close, not too far from the beach. I definitely. Plenty oh, of uh, plenty of pros to to living in Eastern North Carolina. Better weather. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What is a low for you guys in the wintertime? Uh, well, it varies. I mean, we could you know we could have highs in the forties and, and lows like you know in the twenties or their their period, especially late, late December, early January, where we're push we're lucky if we're pushing twenty and the lows five below. So well, it what, really varies. What is it typically on Labor Day weekend up there? You It'll guys? be warm. My expectation it's warm. Usually the first. Two or three college football weekends, it, it, it'll push 80, 75, 80 here. Um, okay. But it gets cold quick. I mean, by mid October, you know, we're, we're probably in the, the highs in the 50s. 75 for Labor Day weekend. Uh, that, that's nothing. Oh. For, that's what happened. You have no idea. Like if the game were at Dowdy Ficklin, <laughs> it would be 95 degrees if Michigan came at noon. So it's like, you know, last year we had NC State and they moved the game to noon and it was in the 90s. It wasn't oh. quite as hot, but. The hottest game we've ever had. We had a uh, kickoff. No lie, Aaron. It was uh, Appalachian State, twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Four hundred people passed out. Too many beverages. Not enough uh, water, and they had to carry four hundred people out uh, for the Appalachian State game. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. I, uh, I, I literally, my wife spent the whole second half of the game underneath the stadium, yeah. and I, I've told the story on there many times. Um, People were just leaving, and they would they they would sell them these one liter bottles of water, and they would leave, and they'll leave their one liter bottle of water behind. And I wouldn't drink them. I'm not I'm not that gross, but I would take the half drinking one liter bottles of water and just pour them over my head. Yeah, and then 20 minutes later, my clothes would be completely dry. It's crazy. I can remember back in I think 2017, my first year on the Michigan beat, they uh, played at Purdue, West Lafayette, Indiana, which is you know just southwest of Ann Arbor, by an hour and a half. It was probably week two or week three of the regular season, so mid late September, and the field was pushing a hundred. I, I can remember walking down pregame on the field, and it was you're just you're sweating like crazy. And I remember after the game walking into the visitors' locker room, which was which was no, there were no windows, no air ventilation, nothing. Oh, wow. It was just a disaster. Man. After the game, the Michigan players and were complaining and everything else. It was bad. 
Brandon has a great question for people that don't know. I think I know the answer, but uh, maybe you know. How much money is ECU getting paid to play Michigan? I think, is it $1.8 million? That sounds right. I remember writing about it. I don't know off the top of my head, but that 1.6 or 1.8 is my, my best guess. I can look it up here. Actually. I think it's 1.8 because I keep hearing everybody say $2 million, and so that, that would tell me 1.8 because people like to round up. That sounds right. Yeah, 1.8. I just checked my story. I wrote in 2019. It's crazy to think the contract was written that long ago. Yep, well, with inflation, we should get $4 million now. <laughs> right, I know, right? That, that's why they signed those so early in advance, right? Oh. They're trying to avoid the, the inflation bump. Not only that, but the fact that uh, we have an indoor practice facility one of these days. We'll, uh, Dave, we'll get... we got we, we got we, we got to talk about that for the Pirate Roundtable. Interesting discussion yep. I had. Hey, and something of interest, Dave, you know, since you guys were talking about the, the temperatures for the season opening games and last year against NC State, Went back, checked the box score. It said eighty-seven degrees, but it was a very, very hot eighty-seven with the humidity. He did that's probably a hundred. This blew my mind that that twenty twelve game against App State. It said it was. Let me see here. It, it said eighty-five degrees. How could yep. that be right? That's BS. That be right? It was. 95. It was 95 at kickoff. I remember it very yeah, well. Yeah, it wasn't no 85. But no, that, that's, 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 uh, I don't know. I didn't think it was 85 at any point during that game. No, no, hell no. That, that game was brutal. brutal. It was one of the worst weather wise. You know, we won, like, so it was all right, but it was brutal. Yeah. I mean, I, two hottest games I can ever remember at Daddy Ficklin was that and, and I think this is more me not hydrating correctly, but we played um, we played Memphis in uh, in October. It's the hottest October game I can ever remember in two thousand and one. It was a one or two. I'm pretty sure it was a one. Bubby, can, can you remember our home schedule? You're pretty good at that. Um, it was the hottest October game I can remember. And I got dehydrated. I don't know if any if any of you guys have ever been truly dehydrated. Oh yeah. Where you start cramping up, get. I'm sure you have Bubba and Matt playing football at the college level. But you know, cramping up, throwing up, all that stuff—that it, it, it was miserable. Yeah, not good. But I'm glad it's going to be 75. As far as uh, you were talking about getting to the stadium, um, I'm going to be in the eastern part. Uh, I'm going to be east of Ann Arbor. What are the uh, best ways to uh, for our Pirate Nation? There are a lot of people that are driving in Friday night. They're driving in um, Saturday. Are you going to the Eastern Michigan game Friday night? I am. I'm going to be there with you, and I'm going to take a picture with your favorite coach. But I love uh, Chris Creighton, and I love <laughs> I love Chris Creighton, and I love um, their AD, whose name is escaping me right now. Scott Weatherby. Scott Weatherby. Love Chris Creighton and Scott Weatherby. Get a picture with them both. Tell them they're both welcome back at Greenville at any time. All right. Uh, Aaron, as far as the highways, what's the best route like to get in? So we you talking about traffic jams before we let you go. I know you've been here longer than uh, – that you then anticipated that you expected, but how, uh, how can people get in? What's the best route? Yeah. So the big, two, there are two big artery highways that kind of go in Ann Arbor. There's M14 from the North and there's 90, I-94 from the East. Um, those are your two best ways in. Um, your, your best bet is to get off as soon as you can, once you kind of get in the Ann Arbor vicinity and just kind of go from there. Um, it, it, it can get tough sledding, especially in those main roads when they get backed up. But uh, those are the two. M14 and 94 are your best ways. And then you guys from Ypsilanti, you don't really need to get on the highway. You can just go down Washtenaw Avenue. Washtenaw Avenue. It'll cut you straight through, basically right to almost downtown Ann Arbor. Um, you might have to fight some traffic. There's some stoplights and whatnot, but it should be 
smooth sailing as long as you guys are on the road by, you know, 8, 830. Aaron, how much, uh, just ask you, I know you need to, to get out of here, but uh, just curious knowing how close uh, Eastern is to Michigan is, you know, it's a program that I never thought would ever catch any kind of ground in football. You went to CMU. Uh, Chris Creighton's done one hell of a job there with their football program. Are you surprised somebody fired him away? I've been saying that for years. I've been shocked he hasn't been hired by someone else. Um, the fact the job he's done there has been fantastic. I, I remember when I was a student at Central Michigan in, in the late 2000s, early early 2010s, um, they had a coach there who was going 500, and they thought that was good. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet he's kind of put them over the top. I mean, they've been bowl eligible. They went to bowls. They had shots on the Mac. They've been competitive with the in-state rivals, Eastern and, or excuse me, Western and Central. Uh, I am. I, and given the facility situation there and just how, you know, folks here in Michigan kind of joke, but EMU's kind of, they're, they're literally in the shadows of the big house in Ann Arbor and Michigan. So folks kind of forget about them. They're, I mean, they've never had, you know, great support, fan support and donate donation support and everything else. So, the fact that that program's still alive and kicking and winning games uh, says a lot. It's a testament Chris Creighton's uh, yeah, job. Yeah, they got a great head coach, and, and Scott Weatherby came in. Creighton was already hired. And Scott Weatherby is a guy who was an assistant AD here under Terry Holland. And Scott's a hell of a guy. The smartest thing Scott Weatherby did, in my opinion, was not have an ego and feel like he had to bring in his guy. He's done everything in his power to keep Chris Creighton there. No question. And it's done a good job. My understanding is – I know they don't have a lot of sport, but my understanding is he's done a good job fundraising for the people that, that he does have. Um, so we'll get a chance to see him on September the 1st, I believe it is, before that Friday night and uh, playing against Howard. That'll be a lot of fun to catch up with him. And uh, obviously then we have to go to bed pretty early because we have to be up, uh, thanks to Aaron, telling us to leave at like 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm about 30 minutes away from Ann Arbor to the east. And remember, that is an 11 o'clock kickoff there, 12 here. Don't get to the stadium an hour late. No, it's, yeah. it's new here, too. It's new here, too. It's impossible. You guys are Central Time, aren't you? No, we're Eastern Time. Oh, really? Are you serious? The, 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 How uh, the hell the is that possible? The time zone changes uh, like in Lake Michigan once you get to Chicago. So, no, it, folks, some folks think that we're in Central it, well, Time. So, I'm being from the South. <laughs> we're Eastern so Time. so much further east. Like, when you get to yep. Nashville, you hit Central Time. Mm -hmm. A border right. That is so weird. A border state of North Carolina – is Central Time, yet Michigan is Eastern Time. Insane. Mm -hmm. Yep. No question. Aaron, how uh, can we, we follow your work, and uh, where can people read stuff on Michigan? Yeah, all the articles and stuff, is uh, they're at mlive.com slash Wolverine, so you can just go to mlive.com and find, find it there. Um, we have the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. It's it's on Spotify, Apple, everywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron McMahon, Aaron, just like my name, two A's, and then McMahon is M-C-M-A-N-N. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you've been a great host with us as far as Michigan and things to do, and we look forward to it. And uh, definitely hope you guys have a great season, uh, obviously, Michigan. And uh, we'll keep watching about the whole Harbaugh thing and see how that goes with the suspension, no suspension. Um, but thank you so much for spending time and the visit tonight. Yeah, you know, glad, glad to do it. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, have man. a good night. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Appreciate Aaron coming on uh, very much. And, very uh, likable. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great, uh, like Robert said, Aaron, you're a gentleman better than those O people. I guess Ohio State is what he means. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, the Ohio State. <clears throat> so, uh, guys, uh, obviously a big big day today with uh, the Pirates and 
certainly with uh, really happy with the second scrimmage. I think went very well for the Pirates. And uh, one of the questions I have to ask after the scrimmage, and I know you wanted to talk about it, Kyle, so I'm going to lead it in this way, is about the pra- indoor practice facility. He was talking about, I know Robert said um, back in early, one of the other comments he had about, uh, he said ECU practice in 117 uh, degree heat index last week on Tuesday. And so I asked Coach about when he brought that up about the indoor practice facility, and he said, hey, we should have had one five years ago when I came here. Um, he's been very adamant in every chance I get I ask about the indoor practice facility because I think the indoor practice facility and the baseball expansion are two uh, the most two the two most important projects that we have as far as sports are concerned. And Kyle, I'll pitch it to you now. Yeah, and I hope I'm okay saying this. It was you told to me in a um, bit of a confidential uh, chat group I'm in. Um, so I, if, if I get in trouble for this, uh, oh well, better to ask forgiveness than permission. But uh, Scott Shook uh, was having a conversation with a few uh, major donors from East Carolina, and uh, there is a consensus among a lot of people: we have the money now to build the indoor practice facility. Uh, what we don't have is the full 25 million, which would include all the bells and whistles. And there is a group of people that are proposing, and uh, hopefully John Gilbert will listen to these people, and uh, go ahead and build, build the indoor practice facility, the bones of it. G- you know, get it built, get, get the field, get, get the electric, the heat, the air, get it usable, and then add all the bells and whistles later. But go ahead and build a structure now that looks good, that has the field, that has the heating and cooling, the lighting, and... Uh, and, and start there and then worry about all the extras, they can be added on. And uh, there there's, seems to be a, a growing group that we need to go ahead and get this done, go ahead and start construction. Um, well, that's the thing. And if you build it, they will come. You know, right. you, you, you'll probably get the rest of that money once they see it start being built right. for those bells and whistles. I think that's a good approach. I, I think sometimes we wait so long and then we overspend like we did on the press box. Just look, you want it nice for recruiting purposes, but something is better than nothing. And, and you know, we're not suggesting that you build a bubble like UAB. Right. Just just don't add all the bells. AKA carport. Exactly. <laughs> I, was, I, right. I was considering renting it out for family reunion. But um, I uh, – <laughs> I, um, Georgia Southern has one too. Yeah, I know. In fact, I think I might be thinking of theirs that I made that comment on originally. Oh. Uh, I was recycling that joke. You think uh-huh. Jeff Foxworthy might have a joke about that? Yeah. I, um, I, what I was going to say is build it like you were going to just without the extras and then add the extras later. That's being tossed around by some people that have some sway. Um, so maybe uh, it might get done. So you, you may see that. Pre- I think Gilbert's fear maybe is if you do it, then we won't ever get the rest of the money raised. But I, I don't think that's the case. I'm, I'm kind of the yeah, other right. way. When people think, see their, their money being put to right. work, I think they're more likely to give. Well, it's, uh, you know, the proof is in the pudding. And when you have a situation like you're talking about, Kyle, um, okay, so let's say that one thing, one way to look at it too is when Gilbert talks about, um, I know he's trying to be responsible, so I get that. I appreciate that part of it. But, okay, let's say that uh, it costs $24, 25000000 million, right? Well, if you go ahead and start building it and you already have those bills and like you talked about, one of the things I talked about is after we have the Pirates Unite, we can't stop. So we need to keep going with 
um, all kinds of upgrades to uh, Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. There's other ideas I have. So why not, like you said, that's a good point. You go ahead and build, start building it. And then people, you know, we're looking at right now, There, by the way, guys, I can add to this, uh, John Gilbert, something we've known about for a year now. They're looking at right now to, they've got to raise, they're at 14 a million and some change, and they are looking at raising 20 million by December. Well, how about this? How about if you went ahead, you, you're, you're inspiring me here, Kyle. Um, how about if you go ahead and say, let's break ground and we need 6 million. We need 6 million by December. Let's go and have some intensity because you could, you're not going to have the point that I was going to add, Kyle, is you're not going to have the indoor uh, facility built by December anyway. So why not go ahead and get some publicity by shocking the world and say, we're going to go ahead and break ground and we need your help to add more things to it. No, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what they're talking about is we have the money now to get it built. It would just be, you know, more bare bones, but I I think that's fine. Uh, You can add the stuff later. The amenities, if you will. Yeah, as Kenneth says you, a thousand. As long as you agree. build it in such a way where where you can um, exactly do the things we want to do and don't limit ourselves like we have in the past um, with certain projects, um, like as far as like the Murphy Center, but we won't even go there. We've beat we've beat that <laughs> dead horse, but uh, but yes, I mean, Kenneth and, makes a great and, point. And too. I know I know that the, the um, obviously construction costs have risen significantly but just as a point of reference um and i'll see if i can get this to put it on the screen but uh i shared this within the last day or two with someone um, because someone was referencing the cost of um, building indoor facilities and so forth back in 2020 memphis indoor facility opened and i'm not sure what all it entails but that facility three years ago was built for $11.3 $11.3 million. And that's what I'm saying. When you talk about the Kyle, you made that great point. We already have 14 and you know, with you guys, uh, with uh, we're all, a lot of us are giving money towards the campaign, the pirates unite, the pirates unite campaign is not going away anytime soon. We've got to keep up with the, the arms race we have. If not, we're not going to be even irrelevant to be a group of five school. So we have to keep this going. This is not going anywhere. So, Kyle, I'm glad you brought that up uh, earlier and now tonight because this is something you go ahead and you're aggressive and you go ahead and say, you know, look at this. Kenneth makes a great point. He says, um, he's talking about he 100% agree with you to, by the way, Kyle, build it now, enhance it later. And he says, plus the publicity will get announcing the practice facility construction is big for us in a realignment atmosphere we are in. It is critical. And thank you, Kenneth, for both those comments because you're spot on and we have the smartest listeners and viewers uh, in Pirate Nation for sure. Yeah, and, and you know I, I see no negative and go ahead and, and like it's like Bub said, just build it where those extras can be added. You know, you you, you plan that in your construction. Um, well, can't you so, do that anyway? Because it's going yeah, it, to take about a year, year and a half anyway. So, we, well, I see what you're saying. The, uh, it's going to take time. By the time it's done, you may you may have the money for the uh, yeah for the amenities, but I. I uh, you know, if you don't, you, you you put them in later. You just make sure you don't build it where right. you limit yourself, where where you limit yourself. Um, and and uh, he also brought up uh, our listener brought up uh, you know realignment. And um, you know, I don't know if you guys are ready to segue to that lovely topic. Let's go but, for uh, it. 
Oregon State AD, uh, Brett McMurphy, had a quote from him today saying uh, their three options were uh, to join the group of five leagues, such as the Mountain West or the American, or rebuild the Pac-12. And he believes rebuilding the Pac-12 was their best option. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I think he may, I, you know, I think it may be a bit of a pipe dream unless he's talking about um, consolidation, you know, merging the American or the Mountain West with the Pac-12 and calling that rebuilding the Pac-12. Because right. without a television deal, you know, you need four. You need four if Stanford isn't going anywhere. Uh, we still don't know for sure if they're going anywhere or not. The ACC hasn't said firmly yes or no. Um, you, you know, it was no, and then now they're open to discussion again. I heard that was going to get decided Friday, and it didn't. Um, you know, they I don't have the votes still. I, I, you know, I, I got a feeling something, and I had this feeling last week. I got a feeling something's going to get decided this week. You know, do they, you know, the rumor is there are four American schools that have agreed that they would leave the American and go to the Pac-12 without any kind of media rights deal gambling on themselves. Um, who knows if that's true or not? Time will tell. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I personally hope Stanford does get in the ACC. I think if they get in the ACC, um, I think we would stand a, we being the American, would stand a really good shot of merging with Cal, Oregon State, and um uh, Washington State, uh, the arrogance, the 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 um, the pool they have goes away significantly when you take Stanford out of the equation. In fact, when you take when you take Stanford out of the equation, they have no pool. So I I, I personally wish Stanford would get in the ACC alone, just just them, and uh, we would be in good shape. Yeah, and I know there's been talk about the. Uh we've talked about this too, but you know, the mountain West schools, their buyout is 34 million. Well, that is true, but that can be, I was telling you guys uh, this last week in a group text, we were talking about the subject uh, there. Nobody's going to be, they're going to have really good lawyers. Nobody's going to pay 34 to get out of maybe paying the, uh, maybe if they could somehow get it down to 25, 26 and then pay it over a handful of years. I mean, Cincinnati uh, and the American, uh, the same thing with uh, UCF and Houston. They RX didn't pay all the money. Yeah, and RX fee is less for whatever reason. I I realize, but I'm just saying, like, they didn't pay everything at once. They're paying it yearly, which helps us out. It helps everybody in the American out. Um, but for me personally, the $34 million, the shock, you know, that shocker of that, when they reduce it down and say if you did $5 million a year, for five years, if it's $25 million, so Are you suggesting that, they, that, that, that they're going, that you think the Pac-12 will rebuild and take a group of Mountain West and a group of American teams? Uh, I was looking more at it from, that's a possibility. I mean, I've been thinking that's a bad case scenario for us, but also, you know, it could be well, where... What if we're included? Yeah. No, it wouldn't be bad if that were the case. Um I think when you look at what if we're included and John Gilbert decides he just doesn't like that travel, I would, I would be very upset because <laughs> when you look at it, $7 million and, and you and I talked about this, Kyle, everybody, let me say this real quick. I'm so sick of the national media and the national media and our local media too, with pirate nation, please stop talking about the Olympic sports. We're not going to be sending every single Game no, will be, no, it'll, yeah. they'll have divisions. It's, it'll In be fact, out. me and Bubba talked about this, Dave. It, it, it right now, the American doesn't have divisions. 
I don't know if people realize that. We're That's a 14 team conference with no division. Yep. So that means for Olympic sports, we're sending teams to El Paso. Yep. Excuse me, not El Paso, San Antonio. We're sending teams to Tulsa. We're sending teams to Dallas. We're sending teams to Denton, right. Texas. We're sending teams to Houston, Texas, to Rice. If you if you if you do the merger and you have an eighteen to twenty an eight team an eighteen team to twenty team league where it's clearly divisions. Yes, we have teams in Oregon and Washington and in California, but while in football you'd probably make those trips, in basketball it would be done. Let, let's pretend it's an eight let's pretend it's an eighteen team league, okay? Right. So you'd have two nine team divisions for basketball. Right. You would play your other you would play you, you don't play yourself, so you would play your eight division opponents twice for sixteen games. And, two and then you would play four teams because you play a twenty game conference schedule, I believe. So That's you, correct. You, you you would play four teams from the other division, two in Greenville, and then two out on the West Coast. So we really would be traveling less because we would be making less trips to Texas because those Texas schools would be in the West Division. Correct. And that's what I'm saying is it can it can be worked out. Easy. So, um, I, I just really, I just really hope that we can get uh, this deal done because uh, we were talking about guys. If it's ten up to fourteen million, fourteen million would do wonders for our school. Yeah. No. Um. And, and who knows what's going to end up happening with this? Whether the Americans going to be included in some American schools or what? You know, I, I do think this this Pac-12 thing has got to play out soon, guys. I, Matt, Bubba, Dave, what you think? I mean, we're heading into the season. If I'm those Pac-12 schools, and I guess their thought is the Mountain West and the American are always there as a fallback, but they, they've got to make a decision it's soon. It's scary. they got to make a decision soon because we're, we're about to start the 2023 season uh, the less notice you give a conference, look, it's $10 million with one year, $20 million with one year, $10 million with two year notice, $20 million with a, with a one year notice. Okay. To leave the American 10 million. If you leave, give them 24 months notice, 20 million. If you give them 12 months notice at this point, anybody that would be leaving the American is significantly under the 12 month mark. So I, I don't know what kind of extra penalties they would be required to pay. If if it wasn't a full it's merger, it's supposed to be August fifteenth, um, just like with the yeah. ACC. So, so we've already passed that. So I, I think it's nuts. I think uh, I I really <clears throat> they may end up with no other choice but to either join the American or the Mountain West. Well, that's what I was going to say, Kyle. Is that you know you were talking earlier, and forgive me, ladies, for getting mad for saying this, um, but it's like it when we're in high school and you want to go to the prom and you say. I really wanted to go out with that beautiful girl and you wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then you don't have a prom date. Well, that's what I worry about with, uh, you know, Stanford thinking they're going to go, they're too good for the American or mountain West. So they've got to go to the ACC and same thing for Cal, uh, their cousin, if you will, kind of like they're right there. And then you have the, uh, because of their academics is what I'm talking about. Then Oregon state and Washington state, I mean, those four schools, and you add our schools, would be amazing with a conference. And the way I look at it right now is I would tell them, I'll take Mike Oresco on his worst, and I love Mike Oresco, so don't misunderstand me. I'll take Mike Oresco on his worst day than the clown you have for the Pac-12. 
No, it won't. It won't be oh him. If it's not Oresco, it'll be Oliver Luck. Um, he he's kind of representing at least Washington yeah. State and Oregon State and all this. But no, and we'll, we'll wrap up this conference real long discussion. But the best case scenario, in my opinion, would be to take those four, merge them with the American, then add Boise and San Diego State to it for a twenty-team league, coast to coast. And you, you, if that's not a power league, you tell me what would be. And that's the thing, Kyle, is strength in numbers. When you look at that, I've been telling you guys for months now about how it started with the Big Ten. It seems like they've been pushing everything about that's where I, um, we talked about this a lot, about how they want ball games starting noon all the way up until late in the evening when we get home and we watch those late night games, uh, fall asleep watching football, <laughs> then that's what they want. So why not we go ahead and create a league where you have a East Carolina could be playing, you know, we're, we could be playing a noon game and then you got a Stanford or Cal or Oregon state or Washington uh, state that's playing, you know, at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it, uh, the big Ten's doing it. The SEC is going to eventually do it. The ACC is thinking about doing it. So, uh, the American and the remaining PAC 12 schools should be, uh, should be ambitious at this point and uh, and do it. We'll, we'll see what happens. I think it'll play out sooner than later, and uh, we'll, we'll see where the cards fall. If we uh, let me ask you guys this: if we dissolve as a is a, if the American dissolves as a conference and we're to merge with the Pac-12, we won't have to pay a exit fee. Well, correct. There wouldn't be any, there wouldn't that would mean everybody's coming, or at least everybody but two teams are coming. Because right. um, we voted to dissolve the league, so no, we there would be no exit fee. So that's something there that would be fantastic. That's probably the best case scenario, right, Kyle? Yeah, that would be best case, absolutely. Um, I uh, it seems to never work out best case, but that 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 would be best keep, case. Yeah, I w- I'm with you there. We'll keep praying that that uh, happens. I want to ask you this while Bubba I know is working on some notes behind the scenes, by the way, and uh, yeah. I'll, I While we were, talk, we were talking earlier about season ticket sales, and a very interesting um, give credit to, to Johnny Gardner for sharing this screenshot with me today um, from Brett McMurphy on, on uh, X. Oh, yeah. Um, Memphis has a ticket promotion where fans buy yeah. a $60 ticket for their season opener against Bethune-Cookman. And then if the Tigers win, fans get a free ticket to the next home game, and this continues – for each home game until Memphis loses at home, how long will the free ticket last? And then it proceeded to, of course, have the Memphis schedule. So, well, what what is their schedule? What, who do they play at home after Bethune Cookman? I'll I'll look it up and report back. Okay, because this okay. is interesting. We, we can we can all bet at what point this this promotion will end. This uh, in October. An, I have to see their home schedule. This is yeah. um. It's an interesting idea. My guess is season ticket sales were not where they wanted them to be. So That's it's intentionally great. trying to sell more season tickets at a discounted rate, get a huge crowd for Bethune-Cookman. Uh, you, you figure that's a guaranteed win. And, uh, yeah, I, I, Bubble, you got their schedule? I do. It, and in, in a, after we take a look at the Memphis schedule, uh, I was going to expand on this. Uh but it's an interesting concept. Um, I know minor league baseball does it, at least the Kannapolis Cannonballers and the Kannapolis Cannonballers have what are called winning Wednesdays. So if they win, you take your ticket stub to the ticket office on your way out of the stadium. And then 
you'll be presented with a, a concourse pass, which is the cheapest ticket um, and the most available ticket uh, for the next Wednesday home game, I believe it is. So, but taking a look at the Memphis schedule, uh, the, after opening with Bethune-Cookman on September 2nd, um, the following week they're on the road, but the next home game is a Thursday night game against Navy. Uh, and then you have a home game on September 30th against Boise State. So, okay, all right. And, so, and then you have, uh, um, and then and then in mid October you have Tulane. So, what they're trying to do, it sounds like, is make sure they have a good crowd in there for Navy to ensure they beat Navy, and then it'd be a high-profile game for Boise and have a packed house is what it sounds like they're trying to do to me, um, yeah. which, which is uh, smart. Um, I, I have no idea what Boise has this year. Did, did, they, did they retain their former head coach's OC, Bubba? Um, their, their head coach is um... – it's Avalos. Yeah, I know, but their their old head coach was their OC last year. Their head coach from um, from several years ago got promoted to OC middle of the year. He was an analyst. The guy that left oh. there. You, you didn't realize um, that. I, now that you say that, it seems like it seems yeah. like I recall the guy who the guy I, who I, I, I'd forgotten about it. Yeah, the guy who left there to go to I believe it was Missouri years ago. Um, that, that when they they initially had success. The guy that replaced Houston Nutt, uh, that was the predecessor to uh, Chris Peterson and all that. Um, so uh, he. Uh, oh he, yes, yeah, I saw that. Uh, Dirk Cutter. Dirk Cutter. Yes, is he still their OC? He he turned I'm, their off. They, they were I'm struggling. Up. They they were struggling. I mean, to the point where that guy was going to get fired, and he he uh, brought right. Dirk Cutter. He promoted Dirk Cutter from analyst to OC and turned their season around. All right. So this is. I'm trying to – I know for last year, this this is the article when that news came out the end of October. It said that he was receiving a prorated amount for um, for 270. I'm trying to see if he was retaining that role. Give, give me a minute. He, he, he would have been if he wanted it because he turned their season around completely. So unless he just did not want to be an OC full-time again, I, I know they would have retained him because they were they – were, they were on the verge of starting like zero and four, and then I think they ended up finishing like eight and four. Yeah, as Joe Namath said, uh, they were struggling. Yes, <laughs> I could uh, I couldn't care less that the team is struggling. Huh? He told Susie Colbert, <laughs> "I want to kiss you." Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that was so weird and awkward and creepy. But uh, <laughs> anyway, sometimes uh, you just get those chemicals in you, and that's all you can think about. That's right. Uh, we had some questions, by the way, guys. If you want to talk a couple here for about um, Matt, just uh, in in Dirt Cutter, he is not the OC. It's a um, guy named Bush Hamden. I don't know anything about him, but uh, Cutter must not have wanted to do it permanently because uh, I, I can't imagine them not retaining him intentionally. But and, uh, and the new the new OC, uh, just a little about him. He played quarterback for the Broncos from. 2004 to 2008 and it said he returns um, with 14 years of coaching experience including three years at Mizzou where he coached the wide receivers in um, 20 and 21 and then he also uh, worked with the quarterbacks and 
for three seasons. Okay. Uh, uh, we had some questions. I was going to hold, hold on, Dave. Uh, Matt had just uh, – Matt, I don't know why you're not participating in the show if you're sending us text messages. But uh, Matt just said that uh, Keith Mitchell had a 20-yard run. I haven't seen – yeah, the commanders and – the Commanders and um, Ravens right. are playing tonight. Yeah. Um, but we had a question here about uh, Brandon's asking, would Washington State, Oregon State, adding them, Boise State, and Cal make ECU have late home football games, or would our time range stay the same? Late home football games? Uh, no, uh, to, to appeal to a West Coast con- – to, to appeal to yeah, a West Coast what audience. Um, maybe a night uh, game at seven, maybe? Maybe. I <laughs> I wouldn't think very much. No, I uh, you know it, our 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 latest start times. I think we did have an eight o'clock kick last year for a Saturday night game, if I remember. Uh, but typically, our Saturday night you know night games are seven o'clock kicks. Maybe yeah. you know. So I, no, I don't think so. Road games, yes, yes, it would. Of course, um, but no, not home games. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't like, wouldn't you like to see one of those teams uh, playing a nooner at, at Dowdy Ficklin? Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, wow. and, yeah. <laughs> me- meanwhile, they're eating breakfast. <laughs> eating breakfast at nine a.m. out west. Uh, Robert says, uh, by the way, Kyle must create a best of the rest conference to have a chance to remain relevant. I guess he's talking about uh, with Pac-12 and that. Yeah, no. If if you if you can do that, that would be uh, that would that would be the best case scenario as long as we're included. Craig says you would think earlier so they could get home. I, it's not going to matter. It's going to be what the television dictates if that happens. Um, but the, you know, I don't. To answer what Brandon is implying or what he's asking. Would we get a West Coast time window for a home game because we're playing a West Coast team? No, we're still on the East Coast, so no, we're not going to have a ten o'clock Eastern kick for a home game. That would be nuts. Midnight Student matter. athlete welfare is at the forefront of the NC, you know, of uh, every everyone's <laughs> mind. Of course, absolutely. When, when these decisions are made, sure. Uh, Kenneth says if uh, if I could add four to the AAC besides the Pac-12 or whatever it is now and the Mountain West Conference. I would add Louisiana, James Madison, or Liberty, Southern Miss, bring back the rivalry, and Army. This is four teams. Sentimental favorites, uh, I guess. Okay. I, I, okay, there's some logic there. Army, Navy, you get that in the television contract. So yep. there, there, there's some logic there. Uh, Southern Miss, obviously, rivalry. What were his other two? Uh, I'll put it back up here. He says Louisiana, and then he has he's kind of torn on you know, James Madison or Liberty. Uh, Liberty, you got the money. JMU, um, actually, they got really money. Good- they, they got money too, yeah, but not Liberty money. Um, True. I, if you were going to ask me, I, I get your logic. Uh, I don't quite understand Louisiana. You're going to have to explain that one. Um, I know they've had some success in football. It, is it just because they are the University of Louisiana and it sounds good? They're not Lafayette anymore. Don't call them Louisiana Lafayette. They're That's Louisiana. Right. Um, I, I get your logic. I guess if I had to pick four outside of the Mountain West and the Pac-12, I'd probably go um, – Southern Miss, Marshall, Appalachian. <sighs> Again, give me some time on the fourth one. I might would go Old Dominion. I might would go Georgia Southern. I'd, I'd have to think about it. All right. Craig says, happy Monday. Richmond for commissioner. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate that very much. And let's see. D- Matt, chime in and tell everybody your name for D-Rich. Uh, he's having D. Some- D. Riznich. 
right. But um, and he, Elliot says the contest against Michigan, which includes a guarantee of 1.8 million, will maintain the continuity of Power Five conference opponents on East Carolina's, I guess, schedule is what he means. And guys, okay. something I was going to chime in with earlier when we were talking about the the winning Wednesday concept is what I'll call it. You know, win and turn right. in that ticket to to get another ticket that that, pro, that promotion that um, University of Memphis is doing. So that's something I'd actually mention to Johnny Gardner um, that that would be in not even necessarily free. But um, you turn your ticket in and get a $5 ticket to the next home East Carolina basketball game, uh, not for football, but, you know, if, if the Pirates win in basketball, you know, take your ticket at the well, how ticket, about, off, ticket office on the way out or, or bring it at the ticket office. And, you know, I got an idea. Home game and get a $5 ticket. I got an idea. Take your ticket. You buy the ticket, right, uh, whatever seat you're in. And for the next – if we win the home game, that first home game – Give them the first come first serve the tickets up in the upper uh, upper deck, and once those are sold out, then you better run to the ticket office to get those tickets. If not, once it's sold out, then you're on your own, bro. Yeah, I mean that way that that section is hardly ever sold out. So my point is, I mean, there's what you're closer to that guys on that side, uh, probably. What three, four thousand that we could add there easily? Go out to the upper deck on, on the yeah upper side. deck. Yeah, for most yeah. games is empty um, or, or halfway empty. So, in other words, if, if you let's say you have the tickets and you you have that's the tickets, and that's what I'm saying. Like it seems like the lower bowl is pretty full on both sides. It's usually the so. You're, what are you suggesting they do with that top? I'm just saying, like, let's say there's three, four thousand seats. They know that they haven't sold right. Yeah, and so okay, you have a ticket. I have a ticket to the Marshall game on uh-huh. September the ninth. Sure, and we win the we win that game. And think about the next game. Wouldn't you say the um, there'll be more people, or I mean, less people at the Gardner Webb game? Only I think it is uh, parent weekend, so we might have more of a shot there. But I'm just saying, take that ticket. You win the Marshall game. Take that ticket to the ticket office, and the first first come first serve. For free tickets for the upper deck, whatever, how many they have left? I I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I, I think the uh, the concern um, which you would get from the administration is it be devalues the season ticket. But um, if those tickets aren't being sold, um, right. then having somebody in those seats to buy beer, soda, water is going to be that's, money we wouldn't have otherwise. That's my that's my whole point. Yeah, not really enough information. That's where, like Kyle's saying, that's yeah. the argument you always hear, and it's certainly true because you, I mean, you heard um, Terry Holland say the same thing as far as devaluing the the season ticket. But at the same time, you know, how much if you were to do such a promotion, you know, how much money are you? Or I guess rather the better way to put it, if you were not doing such a promotion, how much money are you potentially leaving on the table between? Uh, a reduced ticket, um, you know, at, for about ten bucks, and then also what they may spend at the concessions. And also, what do you what do you mean by devaluing the season ticket? Are, are you implying that people won't buy season tickets as they think they can get them for free at reduced rates? I disagree with that. I think the people that are going to buy season tickets are going to buy them anyway. Now, if you're talking about some old crotchety people 
that that are going to get mad. Well, I bought season tickets, and now they're getting to sit up there for free. Those are the same. Those are the same people that. that those are the same people that bitch about money going to, to to food stamps when the majority of our money goes to a bunch of other crap that they don't bitch about. So, you know, I I. I uh, Screw those people. If you have that kind of attitude, look, if you care about East Carolina, you should care about what's best for East Carolina, and that's having asses in the seats. Right, and my my thing is with that situation is we're not giving – that. my point to the upper deck is we're not giving them premium seats. We're giving them seats that right now we're trying to fill up. So if you have that situation where you want um, a bigger turnout for Gardner-Webb, think about it. If you have a – you win the Marshall game, and then you go up there, and I'm not saying that this is my proposal. Well, you don't know. even do it for free. Five, like Blake Bubba said, but for five basketball, bucks. do it for five bucks. Yeah, if we win the Marshall game, okay. then uh, the first come, first serve, you get a $5 ticket for Gardner-Webb. Upper deck Upper in the deck. area. Yeah. Right. It's, it's uh, first come, first serve. And when they're over, it's over, baby. So you better run and, to them. And if it's 3,000 tickets that are left there, they're doing that too. What's well, 3,000 times five? That's an extra $15,000. Right. So. Right. Plus all the money that we're getting for, like we're talking about concessions. So yeah, I'm good. I have no, like I said, where I get mad is I would get upset as if it were premium seats they were giving for five dollars, you know, or sure. free. Then sure. you have a point. But when the upper deck, I mean, uh, like right behind me, that's uh, in uh, section. What is that, Bubba? Sixteen, seventeen, somewhere. I think. But upper upper deck. Yeah, is, you say wh- which section now? Sorry, the upper deck corners is what he's talking about. It's it's, it's yeah, it's I fan say, zone. I don't. Yeah, I don't call it, it, it it's in the two hundred it section. Anyway, it's not even sixteen, but yeah, whatever number. I mean, people know what, what we're referring to. But um, yeah, like you're saying, uh, outside of the NC State game last year. I mean, the upper deck seats 8,000 because obviously it took right. that capacity from 35 to 43 back in 98. So I think more often than not, you know, the upper deck's only about 40 to 50% full. Yeah. Right. So that was just here in the last few years. Right. And you still aren't taking away from anybody else. You're going to most likely, the whole point, Kyle and Bubba, is, that I was making was the fact that. Let's say that we normally average, I'll, I'll say it's probably 43,000, something like that. Well, wouldn't it be great to have a few more thousand people in the stands that gives you a chance to win? Yeah, we I average 43,000 for the year because we played in two state. This year, our average will not be that. Our, 38, 39. If, if we have a good season, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's, let's put people in seats. I, I don't. I pay full price for season tickets. I, have no I don't problem. care. I have, yeah, just I just want the seat, the seats fulfilled. What, what's best for East Carolina is what's best for me, and, right. and 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 that's how I feel. And if you don't feel that way, then you probably need to reevaluate why you're doing it. But well, anyway, 50, I, uh, I mean, if you have fifty, and that's the thing, you have fifty, fifty-one thousand people because of you know we have to cre- be creative and get those people in there. And look, I have three people over the last handful of years that have come to games, and guess what? They love pirate football now because I. It's like you know we were talking about. Um, we were talking about how do you how is the most of the time how do people build churches? It's because you invite them, you invite your friends to go to church with you. Well, not to be sacrilegious, but that's how I've helped Pirate Nation. Uh, is I have friends that love uh, the atmosphere at Dowdy Ficklin, even not at our best. They love uh, pirate football. 
They love the tailgating. They love hanging out, obviously, you know, with people, meeting new people uh, on the tailgate lots, the game, the the game day atmosphere. Um, they said they'd never seen anything like it before. So they had no idea until they went to the stadium how cool of an experience is. Of course, they've, they love college football. So that's the thing is if you can get any way that you can get people in the stands and the seat butts in the seats, that's what we're trying to do is add more. It's just like we were talking about with basketball on a smaller level um, because football is king at East Carolina. And maybe you could argue uh, baseball as well, but Bubba had a great idea. I mean, when you look at uh, basketball, we're, we're getting like 3000 people there. Um, some in that neighborhood uh, at our best. And we could be getting five, six, seven thousand if we could do some kind of um, promotion like that. So I have no problems for it. No, I, I don't either. Nothing, you know, I, whatever, like I said, whatever's best for East Carolina and uh, empty seats is not. Brandon says, hopefully 45,000 for the Marshall game. What do you think? The um, I know we're getting ready to wrap it up here in a couple minutes. What do you think, Kyle? You think we can get 45,000? Uh, we can. Um, how do, how we play against I, Michigan? I, I, I don't think we will. My, 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 my prediction will be right at 40,000. I'm with you. I don't think 40. If we get 45,000 from Marshall, we get 45,000 from Marshall. Extremely happy. That probably means we've merged with the, with the Pac 12 schools because we, we got a, a fired up fan base. Oh, man. I, I was, uh, I was negative at first. I was happy thinking that it would be positive. I think I'm I'm going back to the <laughs> uh, it's gonna be what negative. It's, it's just be what it'll be. But uh, guys, uh, we got anything else? I'm going to get on out of here if we're about to wrap this thing up. Uh, I've, yeah. I've, I've, one more I'm thing. Ready. One more. Uh, I got one more comment here real quick to put it up. Kenneth says, great idea for the $5 upper deck tickets. We need to get our brand out there to more potential Pirate fans. Thank you, Kenneth. Yeah. You've been – Kenneth's been on fire tonight, and I appreciate sure. you. Yeah. Be a – be a regular, Kenneth. We like your commentary here on YouTube. Yeah, good contributing uh, there by Kenneth. All and right, Bubba, what are you going to say? It, well, a couple things. One, since he brought up that ticket situation, you know, and a lot of times um, in the past we've done these types of promotions and we do early season basketball promotions not tied to football, but right. you know, anything, I'd have to look at the schedules because I don't think we have any overlap like we have in the past, but – and for those November football games, you know, attend a football game by buy a football ticket, then you know, maybe give a basketball ticket away, trying to get some yeah. grow our basketball fan base, or at least offer a a five dollar basketball ticket if you purchase a football ticket, something of that Amen. nature. And then, uh, lastly, the final thing I had was Johnny Gardner had also sent me this. You know, oh wow, the, the Pirates and the New Look American. In volleyball, of course, that program uh, had its moments of success under Julie Torbett, um, had been down in recent years on its way back up, and uh, we were picked second of seven. Um, That's awesome. Uh, on, so on so that, we do have divisions. There volleyball. are apparently divisions in, in volleyball. Yeah, just not football and, and basketball. There so you go. That's, divisions what, in volleyball. So there that's you go. what I was saying. We were talking about we, we need to uh, – not worry about we're not going to be sending uh the softball team and the volleyball team and track and field all over the place it's like we talked about be a crossover game right guys or, or two correct yeah. um so we can do the same thing for football and uh by the way guys i want to give you guys a shout out i know bubba's been talking about it i know you uh kyle i'm going to pitch this to you it was your idea for a show 
I know you all recorded your first show today, but uh, really cool idea. Uh, that, uh, tell them the name of the new show that you guys have uh, put yeah, together. Yeah, yeah thanks. So. Me and Bubba uh, came up with the idea for this, and uh, it's called The Coach's Kid. Um, and uh, we recorded our debut episode today with Tommy Bowden. Awesome. Former, former Clemson head coach, former Tulane head coach, Tommy Bowden, obviously the son of Bobby Bowden. And we had about a 45-minute conversation with Tommy Bowden about growing up the son of Bobby, uh, about playing for Bobby Bowden at West Virginia, about coaching under him at Florida State, coaching against him in the Bowden Bowl when it was Clemson versus Florida State. Right. Uh, he had a lot of interesting things to say about Bobby and his faith, uh, which was I knew Bobby was religious, did not realize he was as religious as Tommy uh, made it clear that he was. And uh, so very interesting conversation. What about 40, 45 minutes? And uh, Bubba, when are we going to have that out? Do you know yet? That will be Monday? Next, next, Monday. next Monday night. So we'll likely follow up absolute empowerment with Coach Connors. You know, Coach Connors been on a bit of a vacation here the last couple of weeks um, and well deserves them. But uh, I know he, he'll be. He'll be back soon, likely with another edition. So that will, that's typically seven to eight. Uh, so we'll probably go um, either eight thirty or nine o'clock. Probably eight thirty next Monday night, uh, August twenty eighth, for that debut episode of the Coach's Kid here on the Sports Objective Podcast channel. Um, and but stay tuned if you're on our, if you're already a subscriber on our YouTube channel and you've rung that notification bell, then. There will be a short or two uh, with some snippets of that conversation that Kyle and I had on the Coach's Kid with Tommy Bowden, so stay tuned for those. No doubt. We've got a lot of great shows. Uh, I know just another sports podcast, you and Stevie Fly. Uh, y'all, yeah, y'all, Wednesday you guys night. Are great. Uh, is the, I don't know. Matt Matt never confirmed, but we're supposed to have Matt Semenza on with us. Uh, I don't know if you guys know that guy. Hey, uh, He's supposed to be on with us Wednesday night. Uh, as we break down the pirate defense, uh, Matt needs to confirm that baby. Um, but I hope that Matt's <laughs> going to be on there with us Wednesday night, eight o'clock. As we break down the pirate defense, we will have our top five, uh, defensive linemen and or linebackers in pirate football history. That's awesome. Uh, also, uh, on that episode and, uh, and, and then Bubba, Dave, you guys, uh, talking about the rest of the content. Very excited because Tuesdays, uh, we told you about absolute empowerment and the coach's kid. Um, Tuesdays, we have the pirate preview and uh, that'll be great with beat writers and maybe coach who knows, uh, but that's every Tuesday. And that gives you a couple days to get a few days to get your juices ready and flowing and all that for the ball game, get you all jacked up. And then Bubba, I know Wednesday is going to be huge, uh, great returning show, right? No yeah. doubt. Uh, Sonny and Semenza, uh, they'll preview some of the top games from around the country. Obviously this weekend, week zero, Selections limited, so I think they're just going to pick all seven games. But then that following week, week one, um, they'll they'll pick five of the weekend's top games and pick those games against the spread. Great there, and then um, Thursday is Inside Slant, a weekly weekly college football preview as we look at all the uh, fo- football games, the biggest games in uh, in the nation. Obviously, week zero. So we'll be talking about that on Thursday night. Friday, Bubba does a great job with a Pirates light for me. Yeah, Bubba always has good guests on the Pirates light for me every Friday on the Sports Objective Podcast Network. I don't know who you got this Friday, Bubba. Are you, do, do, do you, are, are you free to say now? 
Bubba don't know. We'll find out know. later. But Friday, <laughs> Friday night, you stepped away. Don't miss Martin County High School football on the sports right. perspective. Uh, Dave Richmond, along with Harold Robinson, uh, H. Rob, and and, yep. and, uh, and, and Aiden Dr. Griffin, Dave. Paul Cornwell's Chargers. Yeah, AG yep. taking on uh, Martin County. So uh, check that out uh, Friday night right here on the Sports Objective. Martin County football every week on Friday Six. night. If you like or if you like any of our content, you like all of our content, check out all of our content, see what you like, see what you don't like, and spread the word, let it be known, let the voices hear of the sports objective. There is an alternative out there outside of the, the, the mainstream radio content. We we don't just do one podcast, we have a whole network of podcasts and we're adding to it each and every year. So uh let everybody know, but we 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 are the hottest thing going today in Pirate Nation, baby. <laughs> Thank you, Dusty. Saturdays we have sights and sounds. That's awesome on YouTube as Bubba, uh, especially the home games and any of the away games. He goes there and gets a lot of great content. And I know that we have fans to help us out as well, Bubba, that we give credit to uh, when they go to those away games. And on Sunday, very excited to have the Pirate Football Playback brought to you by LNK Custom Homes. And we appreciate uh, Kevin KK Walker. Kevin Walker has been a great contributor uh, as far as sponsor for the last few years as the title sponsor for the Pirate Football Playback and uh, Pirates Supporting Pirates. I'll tell you what, uh, KK, whenever I win that lottery, that Powerball, that Mega Millions, you are going to get a call from me on all the restoration stuff that I need done uh, for sure. And also want to give a shout out to Mark and Betsy Holiday of Porky's Backyard Barbecue in Williamston, another great sponsor. Glad to have them back this football season. Uh, guys, do you have anything before we go? I know we've been running long, but I appreciate all the viewers and listeners live. And then we have a lot of people that listen to our, our archives or view it. And then, of course, they listen to the podcast driving all over the place. So thank you. No matter how you um, you listen and you view how you consume our products, thank you so much because we couldn't do it without you. Right, Kyle? In and out, and uh, we'll see you back here Tuesday. Or, uh, are, we, are we doing anything tomorrow night, guys? We're we skipping this week. I don't think we're doing anything tomorrow All night. All right, so we'll see you back Wednesday, Wednesday night. night for, for me, for uh, Sonny and Samenza, for uh, it'll be Jay Sunhalter and Sonny Samenza, and Jay Sunhalter and Matthew Samenza <laughs> with their show. And then after their show, we'll be me and Stevie Fly, which is another sports podcast. So we'll see you back here Wednesday night. All right, everybody, appreciate it very much. We'll get out of here. Thanks to Bubba, Matt, our great guest, Aaron, tonight. And uh, we'll get out of here until next time. You've been watching and listening to the sports objective. Good night, everybody. And as always, go Pirates. Every touchdown with a cannon's blast Get it on, get it all, get the red